When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by Scott McDermott. On the pod, we look back at the short-lived Pedro Cascina era and examine what went wrong. We also look at the candidates to replace him and assess the new scouting setup put in place by Rangers Director of Football, Mark Allen. Scott, I've been away on holiday so we've not had a chance to sit down and pour over this big news. I've picked a very good time to... <laughs> Pop away to, like to Italy and uh, and uh, come back and find out that uh, craziness has happened in my absence. Let's go back to the start of the Cascina era and just sort of have a little chat about where it all went wrong. Right from the get-go, was there an issue with his training methods? Um, it's difficult to say, Johnny, because Brian, in my memory here, I mean, if memory serves me right, was it not initially that the, the word coming out was that Kishinia was going to be really hard on them. It was going to be really you know, intense training. He was going to work them. Let's talk about coming in for early morning stints, late afternoon training stints. Um, but of course, if you then fast forward to the start of this season, you had Michael Halloran, for instance, coming out and saying the training wasn't intense enough. Um, I think there was you know, there was murmurings about other players weren't, weren't too happy that uh, about the training or the intensity of the training and as we've spoke about before that seemed to tie in with Rangers performances because they would be good in spells for games but then they would drop the level would drop off and they would they would concede goals so the, the, I, the reason I ask Scott day one he walks in right and let's just imagine in this office in the Daily Record office day one new boss comes in and he says right Scott you're used to a 40 hour working week across five days. We're going to change that. We're going to make it six hours a day over six days. And it'll be better for you, which is essentially what Kashina did. Yep. He took off the Thursday day off. And I wonder if immediately you get a group of players going, oh, I liked having my Thursday as a day off. Yeah, I think you do. And I, th- I think that's. Whether you agree with that or not, I think that's a kind of Scottish thing, Johnny. People, yeah. people in this country, you no. Know, Footballers, probably footballers in particular, because that's the industry we're in, so we maybe see it or feel it a wee bit more, but they don't like change, I don't think. And uh, I think you're right, when Cassini comes in and makes big decisions like that, statements like that, you probably would have got players thinking, no, who is this guy? And that's, I suppose that's a problem when you're getting a guy from without being unkind, what was it, the fourth best team in Qatar, a Portuguese coach that none of the Rangers players will have heard of. It's a different story, by the way, if Brendan Rodgers comes in your dressing room and makes that statement, because no matter what you think of Brendan Rodgers, those players have been well aware of him, 
what he'd achieved at Liverpool, how close he came to winning the, the Premier League, the personality of Rodgers, the type of character he is. If he'd have come in, or if it's him coming into a dressing room, <coughs> making those big decisions, laying down the law early, as, by the way, he probably did at Celtic with certain things, no, you can be damn sure the players are going to adhere to that and buy into it straight away. And looking back now, it's pretty clear that whatever Kashinya tried to do initially, the players didn't really buy into it or, or weren't on board. Um, and that's it's probably one of the saddest things about the kind of Kashinya demise or the or the Kashinya reign as a whole is that let's be honest, most of us predicted that it would go exactly the way it's gone. And that's what's happened. I think mo- most reasoned people, you know, journalists, pundits, fans of different clubs, you know, Rangers people, non-Rangers people, I think 90% of people looked at that appointment and just thought, let's get a whiff of Ronnie Dyla, Paul Le Guin. No, going way back, Harry Campman, no, when, when foreign coaches have, have come in. And there's a character from the, the past, Jeez. You, you just get a sense that this isn't the right fit, it's not going to work, <laughs> and he's, he's going to sign, most people predicted, he'll go and sign Mexican players, he'll go and sign Portuguese players, and it just hasn't worked. It's went, it's, it's gone the way most people predicted it would, and that, that's... That's kind of sad in a way, I think. One of the things that seems to have come out is that Pedro, while he was a gregarious, entertaining character in his press conferences, you would look at the press conferences and think, there's a guy you would want to play for. By all accounts, he wasn't quite the same guy in the dressing room. I've heard people say that there was a a disparity between the way he would approach the media and the way he would approach the players, and the players actually came to think he was playing at the gallery a little bit. Perhaps it's the we are the people stuff with that plastered in the dressing room walls um, and some of the quotes that he came out with in the media. Do you think that's a... Or do you think that's just... I don't... Listen, I don't think that helped, but I think it's more simplistic than that. And I I think... um, (laughs) He signed players that weren't good enough for Rangers. I think so. Yeah. I I Well... Because I, th- I think, you know, you look at Alfredo Morelos, I think, great signing. Candias, very good signing. Bruno Alves, good signing. Graham Doran's good signing. Ryan Jack, good signing. Candias, Daltio. Do you like, do you not like Candias? N- I think No, I, th- I think we've spoke before about, yeah. like, he's a grafter and, no, he'll do a shift for you, but really good enough quality to start every week for Rangers. Obviously, Josh Windass was already there. I think he's in the same... Same boat. I'll, g- I'll give you Dalcio and I'll give you Nemanja. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think we've got to start to put Herrera and Pena and in, in, exactly. in, in that. Exactly. So, but though, the, I think the thing is, is overall for me, I think his signings have been pretty good. I just think the ones where he channeled most of the money have been yeah. disastrous. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but I also think that the, even the good signings that you're talking about. He's not get the best out of them. No, I think no, that's fair. Like like your Dorans and Jack and not even Cardozo, for instance, who the jury's kinda of still out. But I think as I say we've discussed before that I think there's a player there could be a player in there, but it's not really come out yet. But I just think if you're an established player in that Rangers dressing room 
or you're one of the top players. And I mean like a Kenny Miller, a Lee Wallace, a Dorans, even an Alves. You must be looking. I, I spoke about this in a, a column I wrote for Sunday Mail on Sunday. I mean, the Betfred Cup semi-final. 1-0 down, down to Motherwell. An hour gone. You're trying to salvage a semi-final. You're trying <coughs> to get back in the game. And you're throwing on the boy... Uh, Nemani, 20 years old no first team experience whatsoever, on loan nowhere near good enough yet for the Rangers first team I mean, if you're one of the big players you're looking at that and thinking where, where is this going here um, and I think that ultimately was a major problem and once that starts to develop and snowball then there was no way back for Pedro. Do you get a sense that there was a split in the dressing room down nationality lines? We saw after the Kenny Miller incident, the players uh, led by Candias run to celebrate with yep. the manager. But then Kenny Miller scores a double and all those same players run to Kenny Miller. So you're kind of getting a slightly mixed yep. messages there. I, that, that's what I mean. I honestly don't know about the, about the split. Um, I mean, I've spoken to one or two Rangers players privately and I never got that impression that it was a big split um, all the stuff about a whatsapp group and all that and I'm not sure I, yeah. I don't know about that but it, it wasn't the sense certainly if there was a if there was any sort of split I don't think it was as damaging as, as what people are maybe maybe making out to be I mean there might have been one or two but I mean no, aren't all dressing rooms like that? There's going to be one or two guys that can keep their cell to their cell. No, if there's, if there's three French guys in a dressing room, they'll probably hang about together. I, I don't know if that really was the major problem. I mean, obviously the the, the Kenny Miller issue was was big, um, and him and Pedro clearly clearly had a problem with each other, and uh, that manifested itself into you no. Know, as I say, you're in a situation where. No, Kenny Miller's no playing, and you're throwing on a, a twenty-year-old guy in loan in loan for Man City to try and try and win you a game. That just can't be good. Pedro picked fights and got into battles that ultimately he couldn't win, and that's that's been proved, um, especially with what happened on Saturday with, with Miller getting the two goals. The moment that I realised that I thought that it wasn't going to work out for Pedro Cushina. The, the moment that it really struck home to me that there was a disconnect between him and the players was the 5-1 game at Ibrox, which I was at the game, um, and he played the diamond in midfield against Celtic. And you were going to that game without the full information on Pedro Cushina because he'd only been just in the door. But they'd just played them. They'd lost 2-0 at Hamden. Yeah. And I thought that in that game, there was a huge gulf between the teams, but you know Rangers hadn't been humiliated. Um, you went into that game at Ibrox, and he played pretty much the same setup uh, and seeded the wings to Celtic. And I thought that's one of the most naive things I've ever seen a football yeah. manager do because you're you're giving Celtic space where they're strongest. Yeah, I felt really sorry for Tavernier that day because he had Kieran Tierney and uh, Scott Sinclair just tearing at him. Yeah, and it was just him on his own. And that day I just felt, I understand what he's trying to do, he's trying to block off Scott Brown, he's, he's, he's put Kenny Miller on Scott Brown and try and stop the supply, but what what's actually happening out on the pitch just seems so muddled and so confused. 
yeah. that it can't be what he initially tried. And I, and I did start to wonder at that point about these players and how whether or not they actually understood what he was asking of them. And I think yeah. for me, as an outsider looking in, communication seems to be the, at the heart of this. Did they actually, could he communicate in a way that they understood what he was looking for? Because yeah. it didn't seem like it. Well, I, t- tying in with that theory is the fact that in the summer, he decided to go for this orthodox 4-4-2 and players came out one by one. I remember speaking to Lee Wallace about it and no, was visibly thrilled at the, at the fact that they had stumbled across this 4-4-2 formation in pre-season. They'd went down south, played against a couple of teams in England and it worked. I saw the Sheffield Wednesday Rangers gave it Hillsborough for instance. They were excellent. And it worked a treat, looked, looked really good. Um, and that maybe ties in with what you're saying. Were the players so relieved that at that point, at the end of the season or, or during the summer, Kashinia, for whatever reason, had decided, you know what, let's get back to basics here. Let's let's go four four two. And suddenly the players thought, right, at least there's a way forward now. At least we understand what we're doing. Everybody will know their position. There's none of this, as you say, diamond formations and and what and what have you. So. I think you're right. I think Pedro came in right away and told people that he had clear ideas on how the, how he was going to play and what he was going to do and how he was going to get the players to play. You no, know, they can you know, the the manner he wanted them to play in. I think you no know, seven months in when he leaves the club, I don't think any is a. Uh, no, I don't think any is really know what his what his style was, what that manner. Was I mean you saw it very rarely. I mean you think of the the really good performances under him, and there wasn't there was no that many. But you think of the Aberdeen away game, for instance, when Dodo scored. You look back at that now and think, was that really Pedro's tactical? You no, know, did the end of that game think we're going to suck it up and draw them in and then hit them the break? It might be harsh, but even that seemed like it happened almost by accident. Uh, that day, and that's, pro- that's probably the biggest result, <coughs> biggest result we had in in seven months. So, I think you're right. Communication was a problem. Players understanding exactly what he wanted from them, uh, and cons- just consistency of, you know, system style, whatever. That they tried to get that consistency at the start of this season with the four four two, but. In modern day football, I just don't think you can now stick with one system against every team. Yeah, you need to look at the opposition, see what you're up against, decide on how you're going to go. I mean, towards the end, again, I spoke about it on Sunday. You felt sorry for Dorans and Jack being in a two-man midfield when almost every other team in the Scottish Premiership plays three midfielders in the middle of the park. I mean, that's that's a difficult shift, especially when. The other areas of the park where Rangers should be taking advantage, and that's the reason you would go with the four four two if you're a, if you're a man down in the centre of the midfield, you should be a man up elsewhere. Yeah. But if that guy's Carlos Pena or that guy's Josh Windass who's having a stinker, yeah. it just all falls down for there. I, I totally agree. I think Graham Dorans has been so, so unlucky because he's damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. Um in this formation. He basically, if he starts pushing forwards, he'll look great. He'll yeah. look a lot better. Yeah. But what he's leaving is then Ryan Jack against two. Yeah. 
Um, so what he's actually done, he's sacrificed himself for the team. He's limited the way he's played. He's sat back. He's tried to keep the team compact. Yeah. And I think that, that, that bodes well for the future because if a new man, manager can come in and un- unleash his talent and can free him up a little bit... I think so. And I think he can point to... His goals. He can point to his goals. He can point to Motherwell away, Hamilton away, St. Johnson away. Three away victories where he was outstanding. Yeah. Even in that two-man midfield. But eventually you're going to come a cropper and I think the no, the Motherwell game at Hamden was probably his, probably his worst game I suppose the Celtic game at, at, at Ibrox when, when Celtic just outnumbered them in there and, and kind of, despite that spell before half time eh, just kind of ran Rangers ragged in there the other, the other thing about the, the, the 4-4-2 and that kind of midfield combination and I don't know if you'll agree but to me Ryan Jack can be a very good footballer for you and can be a very good asset for Rangers but he has to be the anchor you know, the, the pivot in a, in a midfield where he's sitting in front of a back four taking the ball for defence and building the game for you he can't do that in a, a 4-4-2 he's no, too negative that's it yeah, you're asking Ryan Jack now to be if you go with any 4-4-2 and you've only got two central midfielders both of these central midfielders need to have a bit of everything they need to be a sitter, they need to be able to bomb on, they need to be able to tackle, pass. With I'm not saying Ryan Jack's limited, but his game is very uh, no, refined and it's uh, very defined in the sense that he's a sitting midfielder who needs two guys in front of him. I, I totally agree, Scott. I was watching Man City and I'm not for a minute comparing Man City to, to Rangers, but I was watching Fernandinho at the yeah. weekend and they highlighted it on Sky Sports and the guy gets the ball in the same areas that Ryan Jack's picking the ball up but Ryan Jack I think to me he looks to turn and pass the ball to the left or pass the ball to the right whereas Fernandinho takes it spins and moves forward every single time and I think that's where Ryan Jack needs to start thinking about adding a little bit more to his game because Rangers they have to win every game and I think he's still in that (coughs) Aberdeen mentality almost where he Easy ball pass completion rates are, are, are Maybe, key, yeah. and he's wanting to keep looking good. Listen, he's he's done well. I'm not criticising the lad. I think he's been a good signing. I advocated for his signing. I think he's done well, but I would say he needs to be more forward thinking. He needs yeah. to add that element to his game. I Get ju- the I ball just, forward. I just think that'd be easier for him if he is sitting in front of the back four and he's got two guys. When he looks up, he sees Adorans to his left. And, and that would also allow, if you do play with the, the, the sitting midfielder and you've got the you've got the perfect guy there on Ryan Jack, obviously your fullbacks can get can get forward a wee bit more yeah. as well. Um, so, listen, I'm not saying this is going to, no, that one change is going to solve Rangers' problems. I would just like to see it. No, I don't, I don't see why Pedro, at any point, the, the, the semi-final is the perfect example. When he puts Nemanja on after an hour, every Rangers fan in that stadium must have thought the first substitution is going to be Jason Holt going on for Pena. Holt sits with Jack, or Jack <coughs> sit, Jack sits with Holt and Doran's ahead of him. Yeah. That's the change, and no Pedro obviously saw it differently. But I'd just like to have seen that. Like you've seen Doran's pushed a bit more forward, Jack more as an anchor man in midfield. 
I think that would help them moving moving forward. I think that's one thing that definitely came to the fore in his reign that Pedro wasn't it certainly wasn't a, a tactical revolutionary that we that we you know you think of a, a foreign coach coming in someone that's got experience of many cultures yeah. worked in Asia worked in North yeah. America worked in Europe you would expect him to come in with a lot of different ideas and it's bizarre that what we ended up with was a rudimentary yeah. 1993 style 442 it's it's bizarre that is bizarre that um, is bizarre but I suppose it was it, it, it was how it ended up. I mean, uh, one thing I would add just to the communication issue, I don't know if you felt this, watching the press conferences, I think a perfect example of this was illustrated in the press conference that never was, the one that was never released, it was released on Sky, but Rangers themselves didn't release it. I don't know if you, did you watch the whole? I don't know if I've seen the whole thing, I've certainly seen snippets of it. So, yeah. so the line from the, pre- the press conference that everyone went with was when he said, you know, these players have, have, have let the club down, yeah, they've embarrassed, embarrassed me. Us, yeah. But he went on and... He made a really interesting point, I thought. He talked about the four pillars of Scottish football, and one of them being um, referee, refereeing. And he made the point in a really inexact way, but I thought it was interesting. He said, essentially, that part of the reason that we're failing as a football nation to produce great technical players and great teams is because the referees allow too much physicality into the game. So therefore, it's easier for pragmatic style managers, which he was himself actually, but pragmatic style managers essentially to use the physicality uh, to neuter that technical skill. I thought that's a really interesting point, but you know what, I had to really think about what he was saying to extrapolate that because he's talked for about five minutes with with lots of weird segues and... It was like reading an academic manual. Yeah. You know, you're like, right, what was he trying to say there? And I wonder if he was like that with the players. That's yeah. I don't know what you felt, but in the yeah, press no. conferences, he would also he would often make good points, but it's hard <coughs> to actually, from oh. what he said, yeah, you know, take it directly. Also, the fact that no, you're right that that no, that was a valid point that he made, but it got it got totally lost in all the other stuff. So if he was wanting to make that point go into the press conference and think, here's what I want to get across for this press conference, here's the message I want to get out, go in and do it, don't kind of predicate it with the, play- the players have embarrassed me, they've embarrassed the club, because they must know that that's the headlines, that's the spreads the next day, and the, as you say, the valid points he's making about referees, about styles, about physicality, just get totally lost in the uh, in the headlines the next day because I've, the only thing everybody was talking about was Pedro's changed his tune from from Sunday uh, when obviously after the game at Hamden he took full responsibility and then seemed to flip it and turn it on the players on the on the Monday which was which was bizarre in itself. So final question on Pedro: <laughs> Do you think he was given enough time? Do you think they were right to make the cut when they did? I do. I think that Kilmarnock game on the Wednesday night, um, I think I've said before, I mean, if ever there was an end to Pedro Cusinha's reign, no, a kind of apt ending, then that was at that bonkers last five minutes at, at Ibrox when it all went pear-shaped for them, when they're 1-0 up after an okay performance but they've got the ball in the penalty spot to go and win 2-0 and it might actually buy them a wee bit of breathing space for, a di- for it to go so badly wrong <coughs> in injury time just summed it all up and I just don't I don't think the board I 
think the key thing was that the supporters by that point had turned. Yeah. I've got no doubt there's guys on that Rangers board who I know obviously had a big say in getting Pedro Cachina to the club. I believe deep down there'll be a few of them still think that he could have been the guy and and I heard that there was, you know, at the meeting, the board meeting that they had the next day, there was still Rangers directors yeah, who were really pro Pedro and said we need to give him more time. Yeah, we brought him in. I believe that. And listen, we all we all want to see managers given time. Now, when you see managers get the sack then in England, you know, after you know three four months, it's it's no nice. Uh, we always try to advocate, you know, giving guys time. But seven months in, for everything that was spoke about. I just don't think it could go on. And as I say, the fans, the, the Hamden game against Motherwell, you know, losing to a team, we all do respect to Motherwell. I've loved what Motherwell have, have done this season. You can talk about them being over-physical and the rest of it. For, for Stevie Robinson, he put that squad together and do what they're doing at the moment. He deserves great credit. But for Rangers, to go and lose so convincingly in a semi-final to a team of players who had previously played with you know, Wrexham and Forest Green Rovers and people like that. A lot of fans turned that day and I said uh, in here before that the, the Kelly game was then going to be crucial obviously and, I, and I, f- I feared the worst for Pedro at that point it just it just did that kind of whiff about it that something was going to go wrong and that would be the end for him and I, th- I think the board had to make that decision it was the right decision at that time Yeah because at the end of the day he pulled the trigger the managerial nuclear button was hit when he yeah. said when he threw the players under the bus like that he had to come out and respond he, he laid down the gauntlet that show me last, you don't want me to get sacked That was the last throw of the dice And it and was flat It was so flat and i tell you what else was flat his press conference after the Kilmarnock game that Wednesday night there's no doubt in my mind he knew that was the end. I mean, you think the players were flat. You should have seen him in that press room at Ibrooks. I mean, he was asked a question by the radio people, um, just what you were saying there, uh, Pedro, you, you, know, you asked for a response tonight. You wanted the players to play for you. Did you feel you got that? And all he said was, yeah, they, they tried. They tried. I mean, when I heard him saying that, there was no, there was no kind of... Uh, slaughtering the referee, there was no slaughtering Kurt Broadfoot, there was no slaughtering the players, there was no big kind of, I'll take it, I'll take the responsibility, there was nothing from him, he knew that night that that was end, and I now think I've heard for a few people that after the Motherwell game, I think the board decided he's got two games if he'd have beat Kelly if he'd have beat Kelly and beat Hearts he might have got a bit more time yeah. because you've then got a home game against Partick Thistle then the international break you wouldn't have been too far if you win all those games you might not be too far behind Aberdeen and Celtic um, he might have got a wee bit more time but the the Kelly game was, was the clincher For me I, I think you're pretty much spot on in your summation however I'll just throw something at you as a bit of left field thinking I think if you're confident enough to go out there and take a foreign manager who's got a CV that shows reasonable success in Mexico, um, he's been in Dubai, he's been in Portugal, and you bring him into Scottish football, I think whatever 
goes down in that first six, seven months, I think you have to expect there's going to be a period where you have to adjust to Scottish football, you have to adjust to the players and the club, the size of the club, and to then give him £8 million to spend on players who have never competed at, at the Scot- in the Scottish game, they have no experience of it, they don't understand the, the very, very specific set of circumstances that befall anyone that pulls on a Rangers jersey in terms of the, the pressure to win every game. Um, you know, at Rangers, you know, you're slaughtered if you lose, you're castigated if you draw, and if you don't win by any more than two goals, then you're probably lightly criticised. You know, that kind of pressure... Um, is on them and to then give a guy with all those factors only seven months I think while it was the right decision to get rid of him ultimately it does shine a really bad harsh light on the board for the decision making process because for me having made that bold move they have to then give him more time they have to be strong enough to say well our thought process in this was beyond reproach we went through all the details we knew what to expect we are with Pedro and we're going to give him another transfer window to sort it out in terms of the bold move clearly going for Cachinha was a big gamble right everybody knew that but I think the board decided at that point the gap is so big to Celtic we need someone to come in with a a kind of wow factor in terms of not so much in terms of his name but in terms of the impact that he's going to have yeah. and I think they thought Pedro would have been that guy um, almost to rather than bridge the gap slowly to Celtic by taking small steps I mean, let, let's be honest you could have went in and got Tommy Wright for St Johnson pragmatic approach knows the game knows the scene knows the, the club and could have made small steps towards Celtic, you know, maybe get closer to Aberdeen or whatever. But <coughs> when the board went and got Cashinha, they they believed this guy can make the big jump. This guy's from the the Mourinho school of coaching, and if he has the impact that we think he could have, we could make that huge leap and do it quickly, which will obviously please the punters. Yeah. When they got to the summer. It hadn't gone great so far, but clearly they still they were always going to give him the start of a new season. Yeah, I think that's why they gave him the the money to spend. They still hoped he would make that impact. And in terms of the time he's had since then, you're seeing the board. No, they have to stick by, or they maybe should stick by him because they believed in him. He was their guy. I suppose what I, I'm saying is, I agree, uh, but they need to see signs, Johnny. They need yeah. to see signs of progress. You've you've got to see. As we say, there are probably a few guys on the board did want to st- stick with him because, yeah. as you say, you, no, it was an extensive recruitment process. No, they did all their, their due diligence. They were convinced that he was the guy. But you have to see signs that something's going to happen. I mean, yeah. and and by a sign, I mean one victory against Celtic, no, one draw against Celtic, one, no. No great win against Hibs or Aberdeen or Hearts. They, they had to see something. Even in performances, a steady yeah. increase. Okay, I can see that that's Definitely. building up there. I can see there. where he's going yeah. with that. But we've just spent the last 20 minutes talking about how the players didn't look as if they knew what formation they were going to yeah. be in. He's flipped to the four four two. He's alienating guys in the dressing room. Suddenly the, the vice-captain's no playing. 
the the captain's no playing. I mean, it just the board had to see signs that that things were moving in the right direction. Yeah. And the caravan was moving in the right direction, but <laughs> clearly it the clearly dogs stopped it. barking. Yeah, it clearly wasn't. Um, moving on then to the actual potential candidates to take over from Pedro. I mean, I heard you in the podcast last week saying Derek McInnes was the obvious candidate, and I. I, f- I fully agree. Just to be really boring, you know, I think yeah. that Pedro, uh, that Derek McInnes is the the obvious outstanding candidate because I don't think Rangers can go back to the foreign market because no. they, they don't need they, they can't afford to get it wrong again. They can't afford to have somebody to come in who needs time to adapt to Scottish football and bring in players from Belgian football. Or it's it's time to get somebody in who can they, take the step ahead of Aberdeen. They can't afford. They can't afford to be in this position a year from now saying I can't believe we didn't get Derek McInnes again I mean they they, they just they just can't I mean I, I don't think they can afford not to go and speak to Aberdeen speak to Derek McInnes and try and make try and make it happen um, he's the outstanding candidate for me in terms of where Rangers are as a club and the way that or where that team is at the moment it just it needs Derek McInnes to me. Um, it's, it's because fundamentally, though, isn't it that Rangers need someone who's proven in Scottish football? Yeah. And Derek McInnes is that obvious candidate. Yeah. Um, do but, Do you think you can get someone from maybe you know English football or abroad, or do you think because that's what I feel? I feel I just, that they need someone with Scottish I experience. To- I totally agree. I think they need somebody with Scottish experience. And I think they need somebody that knows the club. I think they need somebody that knows the environment that that club works in, that knows the pressures that those players feel every week, that knows the expectancy levels of the supporters. I think they need to know... I think they need someone who knows just how much it means to punters when they draw at home a Kilmarnock one each and a Wednesday night. I'm not saying that you no know, every club or you know, they always need you no know, Rangers always need a Rangers man and Celtic always need a Celtic man. I'm just saying at this moment in time yeah. where Rangers are, to me that's what they require. I mean I get a t- I get a text for a pal the other night saying no oh, I would I would go for Alan Pardew and it was like Alan Pardew's a good manager, managed at a, a really good level, about a higher level than Derek McInnes. Yep. has been to cup finals has won promotions playoffs but you're then going spending millions of pounds on a guy who knows nothing about Scottish football and nothing about Rangers I just don't see the I don't see the point in that I mean Prudhomme's been been talked about and he's got a, <laughs> honestly looking at his CV you go how has he actually not been at bigger clubs because yep. he's won the he's won, he's won the league in Belgium twice yep. he's come second with um, FC20 who are yep. not a, a a big team at all he's, you yep. know, especially when you've got Feyenoord uh, Ajax yep. um, and PSV there um, and and uh, has got an impressive impressive CV so, but but again he would need time to come in you know yeah, they, they just can't. let's be honest here they cannot get down the foreign route at this moment in time after Kashinia. Yeah. It would be if Kashinia was was taking a gamble, then then what would this be? Prudhomme is a very valid candidate, and 
no, having spoken to his representatives at, at the weekend, is very interested in the job. Um, no, would really like to take the job. That's why he's not the the Mechelen manager at the moment because yeah. that Rangers vacancy came up and it was something that he really wanted. Having, as you say, having been to Holland and having uh, achieved what he has in, in Belgium, but. I've no doubt that he'll, uh, he could be on a, a Mark Allen list somewhere along the other. Uh, but that, that's key, isn't it? What does Mark Allen think? Th- this is the this this that we said in the last podcast. I mean, this is going to be the real interesting thing with with this next appointment is the fact that it does seem like a very easy option for Rangers to go and get Derek McInnes. It should be. Yeah. And if it's entirely up to the board, I've got no doubt that contact will have already been made or would have already been made with Aberdeen to try and get McInnes. But the the spanner in the works, if you like, is the fact that you've now got a director of football who no doubt will have been told when he arrived that part of his remit was to go and find the next manager. So Mark Allen wouldn't be doing his job properly if he doesn't in the next few days go to the Rangers board and say I've done extensive research I've spoken to contacts that I've got in the game, I've looked at who's available, I've made contact with certain agents I've got it down to a list of you know, six to eight guys who I believe would be very good as an ex-Rangers manager. Now Derek McInnes might be on that list yeah. and he might not be then the Rangers board I've got a big decision to make. Do they say, you know what, Mark? There's some cracking names on that list. I think we should go and speak to them. Or do they say, listen, Mark, thanks, <coughs> thanks for the input. You've done a, a great job getting getting us that list. Please continue to do what you're doing in the background. And these guys might come into our thinking for the next appointment. But for this one appointment as Rangers manager, we believe as a board... There is only one guy for the job, and that's Derek McInnes, and we're going to go and sort it. I don't think that's going to happen, because I watched this 15-minute uh, interview with Mark Allen, and he was very clear at the end of the interview that he was now going to go away and start a process where they would look in detail at individual candidates, fully assess their potential, yep. and whether or not they fit into the club ethos. And one of the big things he was at, at pains to stress several times in this interview was that there is a now a club ethos and a club philosophy and that any manager that comes in has to fit into that. Now what I've heard about Derek McInnes is that he is extremely keen in, a, in an almost sort of old fashioned sort of way to be the traditional manager who comes in and puts his own stamp at any given club. He did it yeah. at Bristol City, he did it at St Johnson and he's certainly done it at Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. And I wonder about that clash between McInnes and how he views his role as a manager and this idea that Rangers have put in place, I think that could be a problem. I totally agree. That That's where the conflict will be, and that's what complicates matters. I mean, the other thing is, does Derek McInnes want to work with a director of football? Which he would need to with Mark Allen at Rangers. I think his personal preference would be not to have a director of football. I think you're right, Derek McInnes is a guy who likes to come in and manage the whole football club if you like no, have a say in every every department put his people in place it's just say old school management really running the place from, from top to bottom knowing 
what's happening in every department, knowing the the, the, the kid who's playing for the under thirteens team who looks like a looks like a star, knowing the you know, who works in the who works in the canteen serving the lunch. That's the type of guy Derek McInnes is. Can you do that at Rangers though? A club Rangers size or Celtic size oh, Brendan, can you, can you be everywhere? Doing it. He's got He's got a big framework though already that's already been in place. Peter Law is effectively a sort of quasi director of football in, in the it, way that he's, he's he got his fingers and, in the And that, that then raises questions, no raises questions because Rangers have already got a director of football, but no, Derek McInnes coming in, so he would then have Mark Allen, he would have the new scouting team that's in place, which obviously we'll touch on. Derek McInnes would have to. He'll accept that when he walks in the door. He's got Stuart Robertson as a managing director. These are all things that kind of muddy the waters in terms of what, from the outside, you know, should look like a, a pretty uh, straightforward appointment. Let's go and speak to Aberdeen, see how much it's going to take to get Derek McInnes and his staff, and let's let's get the deal done. I agree. In, in different circumstances... It would be almost nailed on, but the Mark Allen factor uh, means that it's that it's anything but. I get the sense that Rangers fans expecting this to be done next week might be disappointed. This week, sorry, might be disappointed. I think this could go, so. go a couple of weeks. Yeah. If if that's the case, Scott, and if it turns out that it's not going to work with Derek McInnes, he seems so obvious to everyone. Then where are we? Good, good question. Um, my next port I call personally would be Tommy Wright at St Johnson. Again, for the reasons that we spoke about, knowing the Scottish game, knowing the scene. Granted, he doesn't know the club as well as Derek McInnes, but I think he'll know all about Rangers. He's been here long enough. He'll know about the history of the club. Um, I'd have no no doubts about that so I think Rangers as we've spoken about at this time just need a guy who <laughs> it can't be complex it can't be fancy it can't be a huge gamble again they need somebody to go in there and sort the place out in terms of the playing squad the style of play and whoever goes in what about Robbie Nielsen? Because I would, I would much rather have Robbie Nielsen say than, than Tommy Wright. I'll tell you why. Tommy Wright, I think, has done a brilliant, brilliant job with St. Johnson. But for me, style of football, difficult to see that implied at Rangers. And no evidence that he can coach a more progressive style of football because we've only seen sort of one style at St. Johnson, which is effective but direct. Yeah. I think the second thing is with Tommy Wright is he's not a manager that puts himself out there. He's not a sort of... Uh, uh, John Hughes type he's, he's, he's talking about what he does he keeps himself to himself yeah. doesn't publicise so I wonder if he could handle the the huge step up in, in media work that would take place I, I think I think he could handle it I, don't, right. I, I think you're wrong about that I yeah. think Tommy Wright's a big character honestly trust me you just don't get a sense of it because nah, he's in St Johnson he's in St Johnson yeah. believe me he's a big personality big ideas on the game Um has worked with a lot of good people, has played international football, has played Premier League in England, probably people don't... don't I wasn't even aware of that. ...don't myself. remember yeah. that, no. So, 
No, I, I, we need to be careful in terms of the style of play. You need to accept or realise you know, the, the limitations on our St Johnson manager in terms of budgets oh. and resources and all, and all that. I, I totally agree. What I'm saying is just that it would be a gamble because you don't know. You've not seen, you know, he doesn't have a track record. Like McInnes has a track record of, you know, at St Johnson he, was, he, he had a pragmatic approach to the team, but Aberdeen, I think, gradually. Yep. he's made them a more attractive football inside. I think they are a lot more attractive than they were maybe two, three seasons ago. Listen, the key thing about Derek McInnes at this moment in time is, you touched on it earlier, he knows how to beat every other team in the Scottish Premiership. That is, that is what Rangers need at the moment. Yep. I mean, there's no point in getting carried away about this. There's no point in telling the next Rangers manager when he comes if he comes in in a couple of weeks you need to go and catch Celtic or you need to go and challenge Celtic for this title. Forget that. The, yeah. the only remit for the next Rangers manager this season should be finish in clear second place and get a good run in the Scottish Cup and give us some good performances. I think that's even difficult. Behind Where are Rangers behind Aberdeen at the moment? Are they five? Is it five? Five, five, five points behind Aberdeen. So to finish clear that, second. That, that's not insurmountable. It's not insurmountable. We're only, ten, we're only what, ten, nine, ten games into the season. Aberdeen, if Derek McInnes leaves, that's true. will then have a period of upheaval. I mean, who do they go for? Probably Tommy Wright. Tommy Wright, Jack Ross, people like yeah. that, I would think, will come into the, the equation. So they'll then have that you know, period of transition. I don't think five points is too much. With that Rangers squad... And I've spoke to a few people this in the last few days. Aberdeen have done brilliantly, right? As we know, Rangers have been poor in general this season. But you're not telling me Derek McInnes turning up at Murray Park on his first day and seeing Wes Fodringham, Bruno, Bruno Alves, Lee Wallace, Ryan Jack, Graham Dorans, Alfredo Morelos. Derek McInnes will be thinking, I've got this, the basis of a, a decent team here, yep. probably better than what I had at Aberdeen no, without being unkind to guys like, like Andy Considine and Anthony O'Connor and no, p- players he's worked with in the past, I mean he's squeezed the very best out of what he could up yep. there, if you give him that spine at Rangers and say to him in January I know it's difficult to make wholesale changes in January for any club and I know it won't be as simple as just saying getting Peña back to Mexico and Herrera away and you're not having Peña, are you, mate? That's it. Getting Daltio back to, to, to Benfica. But if he can make one or two changes in January, get a Jamie Walker and maybe even get a Louis Moult in if you've got the, if you've got the money or you can do a deal with, with Motherwell. Or even go back to Aberdeen and see about getting Kenny McLean, who's obviously some of the fans won't be happy with him at Aberdeen because he's... Uh, or Derek McInnes has announced that he's, he's leaving at the end of the season. Couple of changes in January. If McInnes was in charge, he would believe we can get that second place. We can get a run in the the Scottish Cup, um, and I think we talked about the board seeing signs of progress there. If if he could do that, then I think the fans, more importantly, would would see right. Well, we're, we're we're going in the right direction again, and then yeah. at the start of next season, you can go and try and try and build something. Uh, absolutely. Um, in terms of the scouting setup that's been put in place by Mark Allen, um, what's your take on it? We've got Andy Scolden has been appointed head of scouting experience in England with 
Fulham, uh, the England national team, yeah. where he, I think he did the same job as uh, the guy Craig Levine appointed. He was the guy. The that, analysis. Yeah, guy the analysis him. guy, um, and working for Valencia. And You've, Gary Gary Neville took him to Valencia. Didn't that's he? right, yeah. Gary. So so he's worked with good people there. Dave Swanick, who's been at Aston Villa, he's the European scout. You've got John Bomber Brown, who's causing a bit of controversy on Twitter. His appointment the other day, but he's he's going to be looking at the UK. And then Billy McLaren, who's been at the academy for a number of years, has come in and he's going to be working on young players in Scotland with his knowledge that he's uh, he's already got. Billy Stevenson's also come in from the SFA. He's going to replace Billy Allen, so Billy for Billy, uh, try and keep up with this. And then Katie Lamont, the player liaison officer, was also at the, the involved yeah, in the press. The yeah. um, and presumably they're going to have more more work in terms of the way they settle players into to Scotland yeah. and Rangers. What, what's your, your early take my, on that my, announcement? My very first thought, Johnny, is that it's a start for Rangers because for the last five years they've not had a scout, I don't think, worthy of the name. It's it's a subject that's come up at various press conferences, you know, kind of sporadically when you were maybe struggling for a, for a line on a Friday and... Well, you would ask what's happening with the, the scouting department, but I mean, going way back to when Alan McCoyce was in charge at the club and when Neil Murray left and things kind of went right <coughs> downhill, they've not had anything there. Yeah. And it was one of the big disappointments, I think, about the, the kind of Mark Warburton reign because when Warburton came in, he spoke about kind of revamping things and getting the scouting, doing something like, like what Mark Allen has done here, yeah. getting people designated to, to certain areas and it didn't happen and let's be honest it didn't happen because Matt Warburton had Frank McParland who you know, he was quite happy to let him go and do everything in terms of scouting he was his guy he was the guy who was going to recommend players uh, if it wasn't a player that Frank had, had seen or, or liked then it was it was unlikely that uh, a deal would, would be done so I, my first thought is it's a start I like the fact that at least a structure's been put in place. Everybody knows for any progressive club, any big club, proper scouting systems got to be in place. I mean, it's just an absolute given now at, at clubs and for Rangers. Not have had anything for for four or five years is, is shameful, really. So, in terms of the appointments, obviously we don't know too much about about these English guys. You can only go in their backgrounds. The fact that the uh, with the guy we spoke about who's worked at the, the FA I mean that, that's, that, that would be a big role working with the England national team we know how big that is for him to be doing the you know, the analysis stuff and then for Gary Neville who was obviously part of that England set up to think he was good enough to go to to go to La Liga although things didn't go to plan for him over there but the, the fact that he had the faith and the trust to take him uh, shows the guy the guy must have something so you think appointments like that can be good I know what you're saying about John Brown causing a wee bit of a stir, being back at the club. Um, maybe people see it as a kind of backward step. No, you know, I've got somebody for the outside. Or, no, bringing jo- John Brown is obviously a long association with Rangers, but I don't have a major problem with it. No, he did, he did the scouting role when Walter Smith was in charge when he'd go and watch European opposition. If you speak to Walter, did it very well. We know that um, guys like Carlos Quella, who, who was a brilliant signing for Rangers at the time, it was John Brown that initially 
granted I think uh, John was probably watching Osasuna at yeah. that time who Rangers were about to play in Europe I think they actually yeah. watched an Osasuna v Bordeaux game that's right it was Julian Faubert he was supposed to be looking at right but um, I, I think he actually I think I'm right in saying he, Rangers got Quella and Darcheville on the, on the back of those on the back of that that tie right. when when, uh, when John Brown went to see it but certainly Quella was a terrific signing and John Brown would certainly know a centre half. Recommended Jamie Vardy by all accounts as well. I did. I, had, I hadn't heard that until until yesterday. Um, I mean that's a cracking story. The fact that you no know, Vardy for two hundred and fifty grand. You know you think he, uh, how good he is now. So I've not got a major problem with that. Um, Billy McLaren was the one that slightly surprised me. I don't know Billy at all. I've certainly seen him at a lot of games in the last. The last ten years, I've been covering games from everything. You know, I've I've been at you know, under seventeen games right up to Champions League games, and I I, I have seen Billy McLaren at all of these games, all across Europe doing scouting. So he is an established scout, I suppose. <coughs> being devil's advocate, you may be looking and thinking, well, he's been part of the the academy set up for a good few years now. So you would have hoped to have seen. Some better young players coming through at Rangers. No, I know. We've got, eh, I know Ross McCrory's kind of broken into the side now. But really, despite all the, the problems Rangers have had, you'd have thought a few more eh, in terms of quality. No kids would have come through and been really pushing into the into the first team. But Mark Allen's obviously seen something in him. Thinks he's the man for that for that particular role in. It's one of those ones where you can't, you always get people being sceptical about it, but after everything that Rangers have been through, after what we've spoken about five years without a scout going to any games, really, or unearthing any kind of real gems, it's a start for them, and it's what the Rangers fans have been crying out for, just some sort of structure, you know, good names put in place, particularly these guys, that, these guys for England, so... The, the, the punters need to, need to try and be positive about it. It also means that you're not going to get issues like we've had with uh, Pedro Cascina coming in and signing players on his knowledge. There yeah. needs, there's more of a group think element to it. There'll be a process for signing players. Well, that, that was a problem with appointing Pedro Cascina before Mark Allen. I mean, yeah. everybody knows it should have been the other way, should have been the other way about. So that was always going to be an issue. I mean, when Rangers were chasing a director of football, uh, I everybody knows that Ross Wilson was probably the number one choice and it didn't happen and other guys were, were mentioned you knew further down the line this was going to be going to be an issue and it, and it has been by appointing the first team coach first he had to come in and then as you say go on his instinct, his contacts guys that he'd worked with, guys that he knew whereas if this setup was in place beforehand you would have had extensive reports on players from all across Europe and the UK, you could have then whittled it down and maybe been a bit more, a bit more specific, a bit more methodical about it. Um, so, if you're a Rangers fan, you're looking at this and thinking, right, hopefully in the next few years, we're going to see guys unearthed. And you no, know, people might laugh at the, at the Jamie Vardy thing, but I mean, why can't you go and? That's what scouting's all about. You go to lower leagues in England, lower leagues in Scotland, and you see a guy who you think could be a real gem, you know, and you pick him up for, uh, you know, for buttons effectively. And 
let's be honest, like Celtic have done in the last few years, we've been saying this for ages now, Rangers and Celtic are both in the same boat because of the league that they're in, in a similar vein to like your Ajaxes and clubs like that in Europe, you have to be a selling club, you have to go and pluck guys like Victor Wanyama from, from Belgium for 600 grand and sell him for 12 million, that is the utopia now for yeah. for Rangers and Celtic, but you, can, you can't do that without a scouting network in place, so as I say, at least, at least this is a start for them. Absolutely. Well, that's all from us this week. We'll be back next Wednesday from 4pm. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. We're on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Daily Record Sport. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Stop.